This is the Money Savvy Podcast from MoneyWeb, where we tackle personal finance matters with leading financial advisors. Your host, Witemelo Nsoko. Welcome to the Money Savvy Podcast. I'm Witemelo Nsoko. October is Retirement Month, and in this and the next two episodes of this series, we'll be focusing on this crucial aspect of financial planning. In this episode, we're looking at how alternative investments can form part of your retirement plan, Joining us to delve deeper into this topic is Gareth Collier, who is a certified financial planner at Crew Invest. Welcome, Gareth. Hi, Jimmy. Thanks so much. Now, for those who are unsure, please could you explain what alternative investments are? So alternative investments will really most commonly refer to anything that sits outside of what we would refer to as the, the formal investment sector. The formal investment sector generally covers those companies that are listed on a, on a stock exchange, whether locally or offshore. Your alternative investments tends to talk about things like your your private equity markets, um, investments in maybe private companies and startups, um, even those hedge funds that look to sort of um, <clears throat> operate counter to 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 the market. Um, and it can also go as far as talking about things like collectibles, you know, um, items such as artwork or, or vintage cars or, or even certain wines and whiskies, you know, that. To, to the right person are, are quite valuable. Now, why would one include alternative assets in their retirement plan? So alternative assets really give you exposure possibly to investment opportunities that sit outside of that listed formal market. So, you know, you're not going to be able to trade artwork on a, on a stock exchange and it can provide sort of a, a, a bit of a diversifier away from, from the general market. Um, in, the, in the private equity space, you know, if you think about it, a lot of businesses, when you start a new business, it doesn't immediately list on a stock exchange. You know, there's a, there's a growth phase that it's got to go through and all businesses that start up in, in new sectors. So if you think about some of the tech giants of the world, you know, they, <laughs> we all know they started in garages. Um, they weren't listed from day one. So private companies can give you a, a bit of exposure to uh, sectors of the market that either aren't available locally or, or maybe are so new that they're just not um, openly traded as yet. Now, does a retirement portfolio with alternative assets have a better chance of outperforming one without? Probably the honest answer is not necessarily. Um, look, at, at the end of the day, it will ultimately depend on what those alternative assets are, you know, like any investing, any, uh, anything we give ourselves exposure to, there's elements of risk. Certainly, if I try to, to, to go and purchase collectible wine, I'm, I'm not terribly knowledgeable on that. I could burn my fingers, you know, or, you know, possibly buy some duds. So, you know, we would like to think that it would. And sometimes if you've got a special interest in a certain market segment that other people maybe don't understand, then sure, you know, over the long term, maybe it will. But on the whole, I would probably say not necessarily. Now, when in your retirement plan, would it be ideal to include alternative investments? And when should you rather forego it? So I think uh, alternative investments, you know, let's let's look at the collectibles. You know, if you've got a, a particular interest, uh, maybe you've got a great understanding for, for cars and you understand what will be collectible one day, what won't be, um, you know, those perceptions of values, you know, or maybe you you understand the art market and will have an appreciation or, or maybe realize that somebody's selling a piece that's possibly underappreciated and there's an opportunity to, to find value in that. The other sort of more 
very, very well-known one that we would look at is if you're going to do the property sector on a, on a private basis. You know, if, if something comes up that you could possibly buy, maybe in your profession, you know, you are an interior designer, maybe you are a, a, a sort of a, a builder or a handyman that can add value to those assets where you know, somebody who doesn't have that specific skill set wouldn't be able to, and possibly where not is where you might have an interest in those, but not really a great uh, knowledge or understanding, and, and you can land up burning your fingers a little bit. Just staying on that topic a bit, depending on your age, would it be advisable to add it when you're younger or maybe when you're older? Well, look, I think, you know, like any investing, time's always your biggest asset provided that that asset is going to is going to grow at a rate greater than sort of your inflation rate i suppose the counter to that is you would argue that when you're a bit older maybe you've got a bit more knowledge maybe a bit more experience and understanding in those certain markets so again i think it's 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 not explicitly linked to the amount of time available maybe more just a case of you know is that opportunity possibly uh, undervalued and and you see some value there that that others don't now if you are contemplating adding alternative investments to your retirement portfolio which ones should you consider <laughs> yeah i'd probably follow a, a constant theme here maybe maybe stick to what what you know and understand so if you if you do have an interest in in say property and that's something that you don't mind you know investing your time into to understand where you can unlock value that's probably always going to be the the asset test whether you should go into something like that or not you know if you're part of any kind of hobbies or special interest groups maybe you're part of a wine club and you and you're gaining some knowledge there and getting a better understanding that might lead you down that that field and then how can you access some of these investments especially maybe if you want some offshore exposure as well yeah look i think uh, there's a lot of opportunities with certain providers looking at what they would call alternative assets. So traditionally your, your hedge funds, we would we would consider to be alternative assets and those are often available. And, and a lot of companies are, are structuring sort of private equity deals as well. So usually with a private equity deal, that's an opportunity to invest in a, in a privately listed business and certain companies will facilitate that. And what they'll tend to do is is make what they call a prospectus available. So that's sort of a, a detailed document uh, stating what that business is, what it is it about, certain projections, uh, expectations. And then also, if you are going to invest in those structures, what those exit strategies would be. Because obviously, if you're in, you would want to make sure that once you've had some some appreciation or some growth on your investment, you're actually able to, to exit and, and yield that growth. What percentage of your portfolio should be dedicated to alternative investments? Look, that's a, it's, it's a tricky one to, to give an exact answer to, because I think it's going to vary person by person, your personal needs, your personal asset base, your balance sheet, whatever it might be. Probably a good way to gauge this is that in your retirement plans, your, your, your pension provident funds though, and your retirement annuities, they're allowed to allocate up to 10 to 15% of those portfolios into these alternative asset classes. And that's probably a, a good rule of thumb to use, somewhere around sort of maybe 10 to 20%, depending on your personal circumstances. And what are the risks that you should be aware of when investing in alternative investments? The, probably the key one is always uh, liquidity. 
you know, because a lot of these deals are done on a, on a private basis, that once you've, once you've invested in a company or maybe bought one of those collectible assets or whatever the case is, you know, your, your funds are tied up in those, in those investments. And unless you've got sort of a willing buyer down the road, it can be hard to, you know, there's no point sort of buying a bottle of wine today that's 50,000 Rand. And now all of a sudden it's worth 5 million Rand. That's great if it's valued at that. But if you can't find anybody willing to pay you that cash for that bottle, you know, it's, it's, it, it almost becomes a bit meaningless. So, you know, liquidity can be a, a bit of a risk, particularly if you, if you're doing the so-called retirement planning or using these assets to fund your lifestyle in future, you need to make sure you can convert them into cash. The other one on the, on the, on the private equity st- uh, stage is that your, your private businesses don't have quite as much regulation as your publicly traded companies. So again, the perception would be that they would be a little bit more risky. But again, you know, you're being rewarded for that risk because the reality is the upside potential should be that much higher. If you think about it, if you're buying into a big established business, you know, for those shares to double in value, that business has got to grow quite significantly. But your your smaller companies, the compounding growth can happen a little bit faster. And also they can be a little bit more agile in terms of changes in, in regulation or market conditions or whatever the case is. And also if they are going to be venturing into business sections that don't exist yet, you know, they could be opening up markets and dominating market share before anybody can even catch up. So there is a bit of a a balancing act, but that certainly probably liquidity and and regulation would be your, your two biggest risks. Well, thank you, Gareth, for joining us on this episode. Yeah, thank you, Sumi, so much for for inviting us. It's always great to be here. That was Gareth Collier, who is a certified financial planner at Crew Invest. Thanks for listening to the Money Savvy Podcast, hosted by Buitamelo and Sorko. To listen to more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.